Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. A song in the night. We've been talking about how your brain, your mind, really is so important. It controls your whole life. As you think, that's who you really are. That's what the Bible says. And one of the things we spoke about last week was that your brain is like a city. We painted a picture of a city with all the hubs and networks and how your brain is like that and how when a person takes a city in the Old Testament, it's a picture of us taking the city of our mind for God. But today I want to talk about how songs in the night took cities and how a song in the night from you to the Lord can help change your mind. Have you ever been in those dark night hours where your thoughts go mad and problems that seemed reasonably small in the day just get blown out of all proportion and logic seems to go out the window and life doesn't make sense and you think, is there a way forward? Anyone been there? And I want to show you that the Bible says a song to the Lord in the night can change your mind, the city of your mind. So we read a verse last week, Proverbs 16.32, that says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. And we talked about how a city uh, looks when you enter it and how that's like your mind and the word of God entering in and reclaiming the city. But now I want to add a verse to that. So bear in mind that verse. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Ruling your spirit, ruling your thoughts, taking thoughts captive. The city of your mind. If I can do that, I can get health in my mind. But now listen to this verse. Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever whoever has no rule over his own spirit or his own thoughts is like a city broken down without walls. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And I'm going to show you a beautiful picture of Jerusalem in the Old Testament, how it was a city broken down without walls and how songs in the night changed everything. Are you ready for this? So, Psalm 137, verse 1. You may know the words of this song because Boney M made it popular. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept, When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song? in a foreign land. Israel had been taken captive by the Babylonians and en masse the whole nation had been transported to another city. They lived in Jerusalem but they were taken out of Jerusalem and transported to to Babylon, a, a huge city. 
in about 5 or 600 BC. And now they're sitting there in this foreign city. The buildings are different to what they used to. The language is different to what they used to. The smells and sounds are different to their homeland. And their captors are saying, sing us one of your Jewish songs. Sing us one of your worship songs to your God. And they're mocking them and they're deriding them. And they're saying, be happy, sing a happy song for us because they wanted entertainment. And the Israelites are in a foreign land. The night of sadness. It may not have been physical night. It may have been bright, shining day. But how many of us know that you can be in the night even when everyone around you thinks it's day? You can be in darkness and depression and captivity. And the Israelites were there and they were being told, almost with whips, sing a song. And they were saying, how can we sing a song to the Lord in the night? But God was working a plan. And through his prophets, he had been speaking to Israel and telling them, it's going to be 70 years of your captivity, and then I'm going to bring you back into the land. And towards the end of the 70 years, some of the prophets, including Daniel, started realizing God is on the move, and he's going to bring us back into the promised land. And they started singing and worshiping and praying. But what happened was God started bringing the remnant back. There was a man called Ezra. Have you heard of Ezra? One of the books in the Old Testament. Ezra went back and he rebuilt the temple, which was the center of worship in the middle of Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah, after the temple was built, Nehemiah gets a chance to go back. And let me just read you a little bit of Nehemiah. It's a, a beautiful book, but... After Ezra had built the temple, Nehemiah 1, it says, It came to pass in the month of Chislev, I was in Shushan, the citadel. That means he was in Babylon. Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates are burned with fire. A person who cannot rule their own spirit is like a city with its walls broken down. I asked you to do this last week. I'm asking you again to put layers of, of truth in your mind. There's the layer of truth that says we were in Jerusalem, we were taken to Babylon, and now we want to go back to Jerusalem. Physical cities, real bricks and mortar cities. Right, understand that truth. Second truth, in your mind, if you don't have control over your thoughts and your emotions, your mind city can be like a city with walls broken down. Even if you're living in a, an opulent place like Babylon, a prosperous place. In your mind, you can be in darkness and captivity. And Nehemiah, verse 4 of chapter 1. So it was when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And throughout Nehemiah, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, there's a progression of his prayer and his song in the night. And they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is an amazing book and I'd like to preach on it uh, on another occasion.
But I want to just skip forward to Nehemiah chapter 12 to show you the result of this. Verse 28. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites. Then the priests and Levites purified themselves, purified the people, the gates and the wall. They've rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. They gathered together. They got a plan. They fought against enemies that were trying to stop them. They, it says that they, they built with one hand and they had a sword with the other. And they built the walls of Jerusalem back up. And then in verse 31 it says, So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand of the wall, and the other one went to the left. Verse 43, also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. Now listen to this. This is what a city can be like when you rebuild the walls. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. By the rivers of Babylon, we wept when they said, sing us a song. Now we've gone back to Jerusalem. We've rebuilt the temple, which means the spirit in the middle. And now we've rebuilt the walls, which means your mind. And now we're like a city that rejoices and the children are playing. There's safety, there's security, there's commerce and industry and family life because I've rebuilt the walls. Now, I would like to make this a little bit more practical. Psalm 77, verse 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. I'm going to be reading quite a few verses. I'm needing you to just put them together. Little threads of truth in the Bible and put them together. Psalm 77, verse 6 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. My spirit makes diligent search. This is the key. When I'm singing a song in the night to the Lord, what I'm doing is I'm stopping looking with my physical eyes at what this outside world says is true. And I'm starting to look inward with my spirit. I'm meditating with my heart and my thoughts and my spirit. And I'm starting to think about what God has said is true on the inside of me. Because even if the world outside is coming apart and everything seems terrible, if you're a believer inside your spirit, the creator of the universe, with everything that comes along with his power, is right there and waiting. A few weeks ago, James spoke about Ephesians chapter 3, which says God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or imagine. Do you remember that, that sermon? God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or imagine. But the verse goes on to say, according to the power that is at work within you. It's not just from far away that God must come and rescue. There's this power within you, this dynamo of strength and energy, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the same spirit and power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside you. And listen to this key. When I sing a song in the night, I'm tapping into the power source of God. I'm stopping 
to try and get my strength and hope from the world around me because it's dark and I'm confused and, and I'm lonely. The world outside can't help, but inside I start to sing a song and I start to pull out from that deep well of strength that is within me. Listen to this other verse. Psalm 16, verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. That means wise advice. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. Have you ever had this experience where you wake up in the morning and a problem that seemed insurmountable and so confusing suddenly you have the answer in the morning have you ever had that i've had it have you ever had it where a dream happens in the night and a whole lot of pieces of a puzzle seem to get put in the right place and suddenly you know the way forward have you ever had that but i want to say to you that in the night the spirit that's within you this well of strength and life and peace because we're asleep and our brain is switched off and we get our busy mind out of the way your spirit can start to instruct you in the night and when we sing songs what we're doing is we're short-circuiting it we're saying i don't need to be asleep to let my spirit speak to me i'm going to let the power of god start to speak to me and speak through me you know, the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, you have, if you're a believer, you have the mind of Christ. The verses before that, it's, it's talking about how the human logical mind can't understand the things of God. We can't. They're, they're spiritually discerned. But then at the end of that passage, it says, but we have the mind of of Christ friend if you're a Christian I want to say something amazing to you you have within you the very thoughts of God but they're in your spirit they're in this hidden place which we normally don't know about because we're so busy letting our physical five senses and our logical brain direct us that we're not listening to that still small voice amen and at night when you're sleeping when you're singing songs in the night, those little words and thoughts that are so precious can break through. But also, when we worship God, those thoughts can break through. I'm going to show you now a few verses about this. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That verse seems quite confusing, and there's a lot in it. But what it's saying is, when I'm gazing at the glory of the Lord... When I'm on my bed at night and the world is overwhelming me and I turn my gaze from the problems to the Lord and I start saying, Lord, you are awesome. You are great. You are powerful. Your glory fills the earth. You are holy. You are amazing. Look at all the things you've said in your word. Look at all the things you've done in the past. When I look at the Lord and I gaze on his glory, 
The Bible says, A, it's like I'm looking in a mirror. Why does it say that? Because that same power and glory is inside my heart. The Spirit of God is in me. And then B, it says that I am transformed into that same glory in increments from glory to glory. When you are worshiping the Lord, when you're at church and you're gazing at God's glory, not at the words so much on the screen, not at the band or the people around you, but you're thinking of God and His glory. What happens is a, a, a bucket goes into that well of God's power in your spirit and it starts to bring it up into your mind, into your thoughts, into your everyday emotions. And what happens is you are transformed from glory to glory. Another verse just to prove this, is 1 John 3 verse 2. It says, Beloved, we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, when we're in heaven, we'll have new glorious bodies. We don't quite understand or know what those will look like. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. So when we see Jesus at the second coming, when he comes out of heaven, we shall be like him, like his glorious body. We'll have one of those. But then listen to this last phrase. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. There's a truth hidden in that little verse in those last few words that says this. Please hear me. If you see God as he really is, it changes you to become like him. The act of seeing him changes you. It's like when you look in a mirror and you see God in the mirror, you become like the picture in the mirror. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. When we gaze at His glory, we are transformed. We're beholding as in a mirror. We are transformed from glory to glory. And the last verse, before I move on. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. It says, For now we see in a mirror dimly or unclearly, it's saying when we see things of God now in our physical bodies, it's, it's murky, it's unclear. When, when somebody gets a prophecy and they say, the Lord says this, 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 and this, the reality is no matter how great a prophet they are, no matter how many years they've been walking with the Lord, no matter how many prophecies they've had and have come true, they are seeing as through a mirror dimly or darkly, which is why the very next chapter of 1 Corinthians says, therefore, when somebody prophesies, the others must judge the prophecy. Because nobody is 100% accurate in their prophecies. It says, now we see as in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. When I see Him, the more that I see God's glory, in the spirit realm, not the problems around me, but God. The more that I see how great God is, I am changed and I know even as much as I am known. I know Him, the mind of Christ, this well of truth and power starts coming up into my physical mind. That's why Ephesians 4 verse 24 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's letting the spirit change my mind. So now let me pull this all together. When we sing songs in the night, we gaze at His glory. The supernatural spiritual well within us and all around us is activated and it changes our minds. And it's the missing ingredient. You know, there are many Christians who know the Bible and they've had years of walking with the Lord and studying, 
But it's this worship, this worshipful gazing at God's glory that is missing in many Christians' lives. And because of that, their minds have not been changed. The city of their mind is still broken down in areas. The wall is broken down and they're not able to enjoy all the life. But the great news is, even if you don't know much about God, even if you don't know much about the Bible yet, you can worship Him with all your heart. You can gaze on His glory and beauty. You can sing songs in the night and His power breaks through. So two stories. I'm going to go quickly. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Paul and his friend Silas have come into a city called Philippi. They want to take the city for God. They've seen a young slave girl and they've got her set free from demons. They've seen a lady called Lydia. They've converted her by a river. They've seen a few things, but then they start getting persecuted and they get whipped and put in chains and put in prison all alone in a foreign city in a dark dungeon, in a dark prison. And Acts 16 verse 25 says this, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners, the other prisoners, were listening to them. Can you imagine the scene? Why on earth would a man and his friend be singing worship songs at midnight when their backs are raw from being beaten, when their hands and feet are chained, when they're in a dark prison, when they have the threat of death hanging over them, when they're all alone and rejected in a prison. Why would they be worshiping? Because songs in the night bring God's power into a situation. The other prisoners are listening. The other prisoners don't know God. The other prisoners are looking at their physical surroundings and they're saying, I'm in prison. I've got no hope. I'm probably going to be in prison for a long time or killed. There's just despair all around me. But Paul and Silas are singing songs in the night. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. You know, the amazing thing is when one or two people in a group start accessing this well of power, start singing songs, not because of what their eyes and ears and senses tell them, but because of God, when people start worshiping God, others around them who don't even know God get their chains loosed. Last story. You ready for the last one? Numbers 23. I don't have the time to tell you. Numbers 22. Israel, the whole nation, is moving out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. They've been 38 years wandering around. It's nearly time for them to go into the promised land. But they come to the, the territory of a nation called Moab, who are enemies. And the king of Moab is a man called Balak. And he hires a prophet. We don't know who this guy Balaam was. He hired a man called Balaam. We don't know where he came from or why he was a prophet. We don't know anything about him except that he seemed to worship the true God, but he was, he was a prophet for hire. He would allow himself to be hired. And Balak hires Balaam and he says, come and curse this huge nation of Israel. And they go up on a high mountain, the Pisgah range, and they're overlooking Israel in the valley there. Thousands, millions of Israelites going about their business. There's the temple, the tabernacle with the smoke and the fire, and there's the sacrifices, and there's people going around their daily lives. And little do they know, high up on a mountain overlooking them is Balak, 
this evil enemy king who wants to harm them and he's hired a spiritual hitman called Balaam to come and curse Israel and there's a long story to it but eventually Balaam says right sacrifice seven animals and we'll do this worship thing and then I'm going to do what you say and he goes there and he gets ready to curse them and several times he tries to curse the nation of Israel and he cannot do it because God says to him they are blessed you can't curse them they are blessed you can't curse them they are blessed and eventually in verse 21 of Numbers 23 Balaam says this he has not observed iniquity in Jacob God has not seen iniquity in Jacob, even though there was sin. There was sin in the nation, but God had covered it with his forgiveness. Nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Friends, I want to tell you something amazing. A little group of human beings who have no physical or natural attributes of strength or influence can get together and can shout to their king in the spiritual realm when we gather together and we worship songs it is not just a few people playing instruments and a few people mouthing some words something powerful it's like a spiritual atom bomb is going off in this place and when we shout to the king when we sing songs in the night on our own or with other people something significant happens in the spiritual realm so that if there was a Balaam who was hired to curse us or to curse you he cannot do it because there is this power this well of God's strength within you is bursting forth and no weapon formed against you can prosper because of the worship that's coming out of us I want to tell you your mind gets changed just like a city with broken down walls is someone who cannot control his spirit but when we worship God when we sing songs in the night your mind gets changed and the walls of your mind get put back together we've seen people who've come to our church and over a period of two years or so have had such healing in their emotions and their thinking and we say how did that happen they didn't go through counseling how did how did they get so healed and sorted out it's because when we gaze on the beauty of the Lord we are changed we are known we know him as we are known we become like him for we see him as he really is we are transformed to become like him and the shout of the king is among us and that is why I'm so excited that this atom bomb that's here just like that pillar of smoke and fire went up from the nation of Israel wherever God's presence was we have it here and we're going to transplant it to the waterfront and when a group of people move from us and they go and worship over there God's power breaks out and there's all those new buildings that are going up the castle key apartments they're building a whole new block right now they're in the process and there are many people thousands of people living around that area who don't know Jesus who are lost who have no hope their families are breaking down they don't know where they're going they're like a city with the walls broken down they're weeping in a foreign land and when we come and we sing songs there and we express the shout of the king I want to tell you that suburb gets changed and this one and then another one and then another one and that is why we're doing what we're doing 
And when you and I worship God, it is not just you sitting as a spectator being part of a concert. When we join together and we worship the King, something significant happens. You know, scientists have done studies. They, they rigged up heart monitors to a whole lot of people singing worship songs together. And they found that within a couple of moments of people singing worship songs, all of their heartbeats synchronized. They started, their hearts started beating at the same time. Isn't that extraordinary? I'm telling you, friends, there is something significant and powerful. It is a spiritual atom bomb when we worship God together. And it'll change your mind. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.